Hey, welcome to Win the Shift, a podcast for when life and faith go off script. My name is Michael Frost, and today on the podcast, talking about the complex question of what even is a pastor anyway, uh, kind of following on the back from Shane and I's conversation about can a megachurch be healthy and what movement toward health might look like, we thought we'd have a conversation as well about this question of leading, of pastoring, and what some ways of thinking about pastoring and leading churches uh, might be that can, again, move us toward health and away from some of the more problematic features that we're seeing emerge, not just in, in large toxic megachurches, but it, but also in other church communities as well, where there, are, there can be problems, whether those problems are in kind of toxicity and abuse or whether those problems are actually in, in burnout or in the stress and the load carried by leaders. So we're talking about all of that today. We actually had this conversation um, when I was in Melbourne recently, which uh, so this was uh, the second of our in-person chats that we had then. Since being in Melbourne, I got home and got COVID. What a blessing. What a blessing that has been. So um, it's been, oh gosh, how to describe it. The cold and flu symptoms have eased, so that's good. But I'm left with, I don't even know what this is. I, my guess is this is what like a, what concussion feels like. That's that's probably the best way to describe it. So um, my capacity is is very limited. So I'm going to make this intro short. Uh, meanwhile, if you have tips on how to beat the COVID, the post-COVID uh, fog, um, fuzz, <sighs> slowness. Um, lack of ability to focus on anything. If you have any tips on that, hey, send them my way. Uh, as well as that, you can, of course, send us comments and questions, reflections about what we're talking about on In The Shift at the moment uh, via email, feedback at intheshift.com. Always love hearing from the many of you that get in touch. And uh, and of course, as well, you can support In The Shift by going to patreon.com slash intheshift and chuck us a few bucks a month to help make this a little more sustainable as we go along. And you'll also get access to the to the online patrons Discord community, which is uh, a great bunch of people having some really good conversations there. So you can do that. I'm not going to say too much more lest I pass out. Uh, so this is episode 65 of In The Shift. Let's get into it. Well, Shane Myholt, hello. Hello. We're again. Isn't there a song in that? No, I don't remember it. But keep singing. Okay, never mind. Uh, hey, so today we're going to have a conversation about uh, about what is a pastor. Um, and perhaps we don't mean that in like objective terms that we're going to come up with the answer to this question, but more that we want to have a, a bit of a freewheeling conversation with a few thoughts we have in mind about the nature of um, church leaders or church pastors and, mm. and and who they are and what they do. what And, and these are roles that we both inhabit. Currently occupy. Uh, somehow yeah. by a mysterious miracle of the Lord. <laughs> um, so we want to have a, just throw a few ideas around, yeah? And yeah, so we're gonna, yeah. We're going to pile through a bunch of stuff and, and, and I guess just um, offer a, a thought, a bunch of thoughts, right? Um, yeah. Without this necessarily being a um, look, we haven't written a uh, fifty-five point thesis about uh, all of our 
collected wisdom about this stuff. This is just, I guess it's stuff because we've both found ourselves, um, to our great surprise, back in church leadership roles for the last, I don't know, for me for 10 years and you for uh, a while. Uh, yeah. Some years as well. Some. Yeah. Uh, and coming from models that we found problematic, we've had to kind of um, think about, yeah, like what our, what our role is and not just think for ourselves about this, but think alongside others and within the context of our communities. Um, mm. And our communities have both been on journeys to think about what um, they want ministers, pastors to look like mm-hmm. um, and what uh, role they want to play within the community. So it's something we've just talked a lot about and we thought, hey, this is, seems like a good juncture to have a bit of a more public chat about that and to annoy everyone because <laughs> I think it's highly likely that while we've been, you know, talking about some specific kinds of churches now, we're talking a little bit more broadly now. Um, and Yeah, 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 no, that's true. It's a good chance for and, you everyone know, to realise um, that they disagree with us. That's and when you, when, you, when you hold a bunch of conversations about what you think is terrible and everyone's like, yeah, that is terrible, and then, and then you hold some conversations about what you think might be helpful and everyone's like, mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is actually which is allowed. It I is might allowed. say we'll yeah. allow it. it is. We'll allow disagreement. We will. Uh, we'll talk about you behind your back. <laughs> um, so, one thing perhaps to say as we have this conversation is that we are we are una- even in the megachurch conversation over the last while. Um, we've been aware through lots of the feedback that people are like, "Hey, it's not just megachurches, and what about all of the and and of not being able to speak to." every context, everywhere simultaneously. Mm. Mm. And I think the same is true again. And even though this might be a broader conversation than just megachurch today, I think it is, um, we're still speaking to to really the kind of traditions we've come from, which yeah. is kind of Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical type spaces yeah. um, where what theologically are kind of called free churches in terms yeah. of the congregational models. Um, so we're not – we're aware that like in, let's say, Catholic tradition or Anglican tradition and other other – um, denominational traditions, there are quite um, robust and qu- quite prescriptive in some cases, mm. um, you know, structures and ways of thinking and theological frameworks for thinking about all of this. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're speaking more to the kind of context that we've come from and even in our quite different communities now still really inhabit that, that sort of mm. mode of, of church. Yeah, if you like, and, and I think I guess one of the one of the kind of burning questions is always where to from here, and mm. I guess to kind of speak to um, our like you know our listenership in the sense like I don't think many people are going to you know quickly convert to Catholicism because of this, um, and <laughs> some, some some may and will, and you know uh, that may may be a very good move for you, um, but yeah, like in terms of kind of where to from here for for places who are kind of wanting to stay within the same kinds of traditions that they already know. Um, what are some other modes of existing within that that might be, um, yeah, might bring bring different f- fruit? Yeah, so I guess, you know, this conversation in a sense is, is hopefully, I hope, interesting to those who are in spaces of exploring church leadership mm. or pastoring or mm. ministry, but also to those who participate in those churches because there are, there are implications in, in all directions in yeah. terms of this kind of conversation. Because as we talk about what is a pastor, we're also in many respects kind of talking about what is a what church. Is church? <laughs> and, totally. and, and those those are integrated yeah. conversations, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, like, yeah, like, again, like, not all of our experiences in the things that we have come from have been wholesale bad. Like, you know, we've had, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was formed by that tradition. There's so many things I love about it and there's so many things I'm really deeply grateful for. And I'm sure that whatever we propose that will have its own 
problems and things like that. But one of the things that I guess my experience of um, the kinds of churches I grew up in is kind of that there was this um, ahistorical nature to them of that church has always been this way and we can't change anything because it's always been exactly like this. And uh, that's just not very true. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. And even in the churches that are trying to be radically, you know, the, the relevant, there's, you're sort of playing around the edges, so to speak. So you're putting in... I don't know, smoke machines and projectors and 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 cool music, but the yep. fundamentals of the thing are still the bones. Is, this bones is the way are still the same, mm-hmm. and and that perhaps in some respects comes to, to back to the way in which um, people tend to think about the Bible itself. Actually, yeah, as essentially giving us ahistorical principles, yeah, for life, yeah, and therefore you know, ahistorical, non-contextual, kind of universalized principles for a pastor, for a leader, mm. for a community. Uh, yep. We talked in our last chat about like megachurch health stuff, about the fact that there's no kind of biblical model for mm. church. You know, there is no, okay, so what is the biblical model for this? And the same is true on the question of pastor, right? Yeah. Uh, the question of leader within the church. There's, there are there are conversations and discussions and, and suggestions and contextual workings out yeah. on the go yeah. in these communities, but you can't ask, you can't answer the question, what is the biblical answer to a pastor yeah. know, and describe um, yeah, the, the pres- pres- prescriptive versus descriptive reading of it. If we change, if we turn everything in the Bible into God's law, um, it becomes, you know, for lots of reasons that Michael has no doubt discussed in other episodes of In the Shift, um, becomes very, very difficult when there's there's clashes within internally within Scripture, um, and and at the same time, just recognizing what like how fast things are moving. You know, for the early church, um, at different phases, they were in the synagogues and then out getting kicked out, and then they had to do house churches for a while, but then there's rules around households, around, you know, um, who gets to eat first and who doesn't. And then Paul has a go at that because that doesn't, the way they're letting um, masters eat first and then slaves pick up the pieces afterwards isn't reflective of communion, um, the kind of communion that Jesus modelled. And so there's all this ad-libbing going on um, and even naming the kinds of gifts that are emerging. You know, we do lots of kind of things around the apostolic gifts. So a lot about and about the nine. The equipping, the equipping gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and all those things, and there and are five I, of these types and nine of these types, and yeah. all of that kind of thing. Yeah, and and I can see the temptation <clears throat> to go um, to turn that into a new form of law. Mm. Of you know, this is you know, Paul knew that he was writing for all of time about exactly what was going to happen for the rest of church life, rather than going. Um, as he was improvising about what was happening in front of him, he's saying, "This is what wisdom looks like in this situation," and we can we can totally um, we can we can totally uh, draw from that stuff and see you know how how can we model um, the acknowledgement and spotting of that kind of wisdom and those and the goodness of those kinds of structures for that place and then what do we do with that now in our context because mm. they're all going to be radically radically different and our context will differ you know and so it's not even enough to say well, it's definitely not enough to be like so what's the 21st century model yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or yeah. something like that because yeah. again um, each context, and it's not even—it's not enough to say, what do we do in the postmodern culture? Mm. Because mm. you know, you might be immersed in a community, sure, within a wider Western context, but that's that's um, shaped by some very different cultural assumptions, or Absolutely. you know, or yeah. ethnic um, 
Or socioeconomic restrictions. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. all those things as well. And so, I mean, I guess this comes back to my kind of (laughs) one of my hobby horses about saying like the one of the first places you start thinking about what is a what is a good church is by looking at the church that you have, looking at the 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 community of people trying attempting to follow Jesus without maiming each other too much uh, in the process, and going, what is it that we have here? What is our immediate context and our immediate tradition? What are the immediate giftings within this place as a starting point for asking some of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even as we talk along through some of the things, I think t- today we're aware that depending on the context, some of these things might be more or less important, mm. relevant, yeah. necessary. Yeah. Um, Full so of on. crap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's okay. Good. I was just also noticed that um, Meg is going to complain that we're talking very fast not this time because she's listening on 1.25 speed, but because we've both just had coffee and it's the only ever morning recording we've done. So <laughs> we're going to try and slow down a bit so people don't think we're doing lines of cocaine off <laughs> bathroom basins. And I will clarify, we aren't doing lines of we cocaine. We definitely are not. Why would you even ask that? No. <laughs> um, but we have had coffee. Close enough. And it is the morning. Mm. Very unusual. Very, very pert. Okay, so... Um, one of the things that strikes me about, and I suppose as we go along here asking what is a pastor, we're also going to be dealing with the question of sort of what does a pastor not need to be mm. or perhaps sometimes shouldn't be. Um, one of the things that we've touched on a number of times already so far is the kind of the, the problem that emerges when the pastor is the expert on everything. Mm. Um, and... You know, we see this in all sorts of ways. Whether it, and a lot of it's even just to do with the fact that often the pastor or the pastors, depending on the size of the church and the number of people involved, mm. are the ones who are tasked in those contexts often with getting up and telling everybody what to believe, yep. how to live, what the Bible says, what the Bible says, to tell you the truth, yep. Um to inspire you, challenge you, correct you, reprimand you, um, and tell you what life should look like and how you should be living uh, and the things you should be doing. And Uh, also counter your idiocy (laughs) because you're always thinking this and people tell me this thing, but I'm going to tell you this here. Yeah, and if you look look out and you see people have sort of raised their eyebrows, hey, I'm just telling it like it is, you know. Um, or I'm just preaching scripture. It's not my fault. Um. <laughs> and that again is the view from nowhere thing of going, of you know, yeah. of, of saying I'm not bringing my own self and culture and perspective and personality and all this stuff to this stuff. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Yeah. So, so one of the really interesting things in thinking about all of that, because there's lots of layers to that, and I don't think we have to pick through all of that today, because we've we've touched on it a number of times in terms of the the, the pastor as expert, but but it is kind of the crux, the the authoritative expert voice Mm. or voices Mm. in this community. Um, They're the ones who get to speak. They're the ones who get to tell you what to do. Their opinions are the ones that that matter. Um, I suppose is that – so one of the things that's kind of interesting to me is that 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 kind of paradigm can be true in a number of different spaces and can be unhealthy even when other things appear – more healthy, if this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Which is to say that, so, what, so one of the reactions 
and you definitely see this, you know, working in theological spaces and stuff, is one of the reactions to kind of the the entrepreneurial CEO CEO type pastor who doesn't really actually know the Bible particularly well, although talks like they understand it. Well, they've got a strong concor- they've got a strong concordance maybe. and a lot of maybe and a lot of a lot of sermons in their pocket from earlier days. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, the younger ones don't even have the strongest concordance anymore. I think they've dispensed with with that. Um, if you don't know Strong's Concordance, very specific reference about looking up the original language and translating it. And also um, just finding every verse in the Bible about a particular thing yes. so you can quote lots of them, yeah. also known as pearl stringing. Um, so, so, there's a, yeah, there's, so there's a there's an authoritative style of preaching which is charismatic, um, I'm telling you the truth, here's how it is, but is based on very little to no theological training mm. Um no, and a few core theological assumptions. A few, whatever yeah. the problem is, God is going to help you overcome it, and it's going to get better. Amen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so there's that kind of thing, and 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 the expert there is someone who's just very confident, mm. really. <laughs> um, the, the are rea- they wise or are they just confident? Yeah. <laughs> the reaction to that can be ah, so what we need is, and you see, I see this some uh, often in the academic community mm. of which I am, you know, still a part, uh, <clears throat> is, is that what we need then is to train people theologically who are going to be in church leadership mm. so that they don't spout all that nonsense. Mm. The ongoing challenge or problem I still see with that, although I'm all for theological training, mm. I think it's very important <laughs> and very helpful. <laughs> Uh, and you can't just pick up a book that was written thousands of years ago and just pretend like it was written personally to you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can. You can do that. You can, but, absolutely. But whether you should or not is yes. a different question. Um, so, I'm, so I'm all for kind of theological training. What, the, the trouble I see is that it still often positions the, the preacher or the pastor, the leader, as the one with the answers because now they are not the ones with the answers because they are the confident, inspirational, charismatic figure who's just telling you... Yeah. How it is and what to believe. They're the they wise, are the who's wise, done learned, um, theologically minded mm. expert on what the scripture is telling you. And what and, would you know? And what would you know about any of this? Because you're just a X Y Z. You're just a nurse or a yeah. or a parent or a teacher or something. Yeah. Um, and you haven't done the study of scripture mm. like I have. And mm. so and so you see in the more in in perhaps in, in the models that are often not megachurch spaces mm. usually because. Because um, <laughs> they don't tend to last that long with theological training and make a church. No, they no, much they harder. Yeah. Um, but there is still that tendency to to see oneself as the authoritative expert. Mm. Um, and so, whether you're the expert because you're just a confident, charismatic person, mm. or whether you're the expert because I've trained in this and therefore I am the voice you need to listen to, um, there's there's potentially, although you might mitigate some of the harm of the. Bad readings of, of the scripture. bad readings of yeah. scripture. Yeah, you you still left with the I am the expert voice, mm. um, and there are still some implications and problems potentially with yeah. that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Shall we dive into them? Yeah, let's do that. So let's do it. Was that the in the shift music you were just doing? Let's get into it. Oh, sorry. Let's get into it. Sorry. I'll get it right, and then you have to do an inordinate number of sort of clap sounds. Good. Okay. So, what what's the kind of fruit of of this whole model of 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 pastor as expert on 
on everything, if you like, even mm. if it starts with scripture. And look, I must say, just as an aside, it's tempting for anyone who's an expert in anything to think they're an expert in everything. Yeah. So you see people who maybe are... Looking um, at you, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was thinking of Jordan Peterson. Let's see so, who cancels who. Sorry, every, oh, sorry, all the Jordan Peterson fans out there. But, you know, someone who's Both of a you. psychologist... Yeah. ...who then decides they're the expert on everything. Mm. Um, and, and that's not... Um, yeah, that's not just something that it's happens not unique in churches. Pastors, and it's, yeah, not, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's something that happens in all fields, you know, and yeah. you bump into it in academia all the time. Yeah. Or someone who's an expert in science who, yeah. who's now giving their, you know, their opinion on all sorts of, yeah. authoritative opinion on all yeah. sorts of things. Which is why our next episode is going to be the right way to cook lasagna. Oh, lasagna, <laughs> delicious. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so, um, so what's the fruit of this um, well, brace yourself for some gross generalizations. Yes. <laughs> because, of course, there's different, you know, there, there's there's healthy and more unhealthy versions of all of these things mm. and models that mm. we're talking about. And, you know, you could even take our suggestions and make incredibly unhealthy versions of them. It happens. Um, so we're, we're, we're talking very generally here. But one, one, of, the, one of the patterns I'm noticing um, with, yeah, with... A lot of people, and even in my own experience in in this world, is just this huge sense of um, ministers being completely overwhelmed by the burden of responsibility of being um, of having to carry um, mm. that that level of expertise and be the single point of authority that really everything within the within the church, whether it's the leadership decisions they make or the sermons that they preach, that everything rises and falls on how well they as an individual can pull this stuff off, um, how well they are preaching, how well they are instructing their people, how well they are interpreting scripture, how well they are meeting pastoral needs or whatever those things that... Um, I, I feel like the, the single point of responsibility essentially coming in the kind of CEO model of everything rises and falls on what's at the top um, is a massive amount of emotional burden for anyone to carry. Um, and particularly when you're, you, when you're going, you know, let's, let's, we're, going, we're talking a lot about preaching today, which I guess kind of is an example of our point of like, you know, the, when you think about what a pastor does, the, most, <laughs> the first thing most people obsess on is what they're preaching and what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. As if that's the, the, their real job is that thing there, delivering yeah. the sermon. Um, you look, you were looking like bait, holding back, holding back a great grand statement, Michael. Was I? No. Yeah, yeah, you were. You looked like it, but you definitely were maybe just burping or something. Yeah, it might have just been the, uh, <laughs> the coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it, it's a massive, massive responsibility, particularly mm. when you're moving from um, hot button issue to hot button issue, like many churches kind of demand where you need to take on this thing here and that thing there and this thing here and that thing there. And you need to provide the wise and biblical rendition of what of how to live with the stuff and what faithfulness to scripture looks like and what faithfulness to Jesus looks like and what God has to say about this. Um, mm. It's a... It's a massive load for a person to carry. Um, and even on spaces where there's kind of like a little bit of shared preaching teams and things like that, there's usually still the one like, and I'm going to say it, dad of the congregation because they're usually men, um, that, has to carry, that has to carry all of that week in, week out and everything rises and falls, in, in, including how many people keep going to the church, whether they're enjoying the sermons or not and things like this. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's just, it's, the fruit appears to me to be that 
too many people. I mean, even the way you talk about the models of ministry of people going like, you know, well, most pastors only last three years statistically and then some can stick it out for even longer. But, you know, people are burning out left, right and centre and but are still keeping that model going. Essentially, it's because there's not enough pastoral toughness. <laughs> yeah, so, so what you get in that situation is that the people who can last are the people who have hardened themselves yeah. so effectively yeah. that they are not susceptible to, yeah. to some of that in the same way because they have become quite callous yeah. and, and hard um, because it's very difficult to be that, that voice of authority and expertise and not just voice of but to be the person and, and it's, it's worth widening this from preaching to have the whole weight of the organisation ultimately coming back to this to you one person. And the decision you make. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, the, the sort of very unhelpful leadership models that came out of like John Maxwell and stuff who was yeah. all the rage like 15 years ago or mm. 10 years ago or whatever. And he was everything rises and falls on leadership, right? Yeah. So it was all the leader essentially is is, yeah. is the linchpin of the whole thing. Yeah. And um, and so, that yeah, that's a, that's a crushing amount of responsibility to bear. Mm. And in order to bear it often sort of successfully or effectively – um, not always, again, not generalizing. Oh, we are generalizing, um, but but you know, f- especially in in spaces that grow and get bigger, yeah. where where that that responsibility increases and increases and increases, mm. and more and more and more and more and more is on the line. Yeah, um, it's very hard to be a healthy person. Yeah, and still be able to be that one. Yeah, because you do need some emotional voice. robustness to be in any kind of position within a community where you have responsibility because you are torn between, you know, lots of voices and lots of opinions and lots of things like that and Mm. you need – and lots of pain. You know, a lot of it, a lot of, you know, your work in these roles is is doing pastoral care and things and sitting with really tough things. Like you need – you do need some emotional robustness but what is often – that's often pushed to the point of emotional scarring where it's kind of, you know – uh, beyond emotional toughness to, to to kind of having that part of you seared off um, where you just have to go into my way or the highway mode to be able to mm. deal with um, the structure that, you, structure that you've set for yourself. And again, even in like care professions and stuff like that, those same mm. pressures apply, right? Yep. People in care professions who sometimes only survive by becoming hardened to, yep. and, and sort of more callous to yep. to the experiences because it, because it can be – yeah, deeply difficult and brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So, yeah. um, so, so as we're talking about this, I think we're not just saying here's what's, you know, look at these pastors who aren't, who are who are doing it, sort of badly, mm. and their churches need pastors who are doing it properly. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sort of take that approach to our conversation here, even as we offer kind of suggestions and critique. It's it's actually are there healthier are there healthier ways are the ways that for would, everyone, yeah, including. Including the, them. Including them, mm. yeah. Mm. Because I'm convinced that even in these really toxic, you know, larger systems that we've been talking about, yeah. where the, the leader at the top appears to be living their best life, yeah. um, that that this has been deeply um, harmful to their soul. Yeah. You know? I mean, the ones that are doing it badly and doing that much damage, you have to have a huge amount of insecurity mm. to drive you to places where you're willing to trample people mm. for mm. your own success. Like you have to have some pretty major ego 
issues mm. um, if you're willing to, you know, generate so much harm for public accolade. Like, And then the split that often you have to live with because mm-hmm. you're getting up in front of people having to present a, yeah. your best life now, mm. you know, everything is great, follow me because I'm, my, the, example I'm of, the example of how great everything could be for you. Yeah. And if things aren't great for you, and in fact you're, you know, struggling with your mental health or with your, yeah, yeah. or just all sorts of things that you might actually be wrestling with in your own personal life that you aren't even allowed, allowing yourself to see or to name, let alone to then be aware of it but still get up in front of mm. loads of people and, and have to put on this show. Yeah. So that kind of, I suppose one of the implications of the, of the pastor as authoritative expert yeah. sort of um, voice is is that it does often lead to a split yeah. in terms of how I have to present to everybody versus mm. what might actually be going on inside mm. me. And it, in fact, I might end up quite confused about those things because I end up performing that role yeah. for so many years mm. that I lose touch myself with what's really going on. Yeah, like what voices are you allowed at the table to use Nicole Connor's language? What voices can you have at the table and still present like that? Well, you have to put, you know, all kinds of things aside. Um, you can't let your doubt have a voice at the table. No. Or, yeah, or your sadness yeah. or anything like that, right? Yeah. 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 And, and sometimes you can't even acknowledge things like bitterness and where you've been wounded um, mm. because mm. you just have to be bigger than that. And it comes out in other ways, <laughs> in other forms of language. People, you know, describe how bitter they actually are without being bitter. Um, but you can't actually say, oh, um, you know, I'm human too, and that and and that hurt. And the way you handled that, you know, um, you know that 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 really got at me. Like you can't have those open and vulnerable conversations. The only weapon in a lot of these places is authority. You mm. can pull people back into line. You can mm. rebuke them. You can, you know, but you can't negotiate because that's weakness and softness. Yeah, yeah. And you're the one who God is sort of speaking to for this. Mm place yeah and yeah, so if, yeah. You, if you if you cease being that yeah then you lose your authority yeah you know yeah um okay so so kind of in line with that authority thing then you so although there's the the the, the unhealthy pressures on on the leader on the pastor mm. in in this kind of model um there are also ways in which that that pastor's behavior or stance or kind of position becomes problematic, right? They become mm. the, the domineering yeah. kind of arrogant yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah? Well, if it, you know, if, <laughs> it's hard to be humble if you're struggling on a jumb, jumbotron thing of like, you know, if, if everyone's always telling you how amazing everything you say is, you begin to think that you, you actually do know everything. Um, uh, you know, I even remember experiences of kind of feeling like I, as a kind of person who had begun to rethink, you know, forms of church and things like that, thinking like, oh, I, I have a really good sense of what's wrong with the church and what was required to fix it, and then became friends from other strands of the church and you know, started working alongside them who came from places with very different problems and issues than the ones I'd faced and went, oh, like maybe I know a little bit about what the problem I have with my form of faith tradition, um, but very much not um, you know, the, <laughs> the stuff that's going on with, you know. You're not going to be able to solve Christianity as a no, whole. No, no, no. I mean I, I, I mean, I guess at the time I thought I knew Christianity yeah, as a whole, yeah. uh, which was part of the problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you're, and, and this is perhaps part of the, part of the challenge even of, of, of the church being your whole world, 
And if you live, yeah, your, if you live yeah. your life within that bubble, yeah, not just within the bubble of the church, but within the bubble of kind of your church or churches just like it, yeah, is that you think you've come to see reality as it is, yeah, rather than realizing you're seeing a very thin slither of it, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember talking to someone you know years ago who had been pastoring um, for a number of years, and then had to take a couple of years out of pastoring, yeah, and so just attended church for a couple of years. And it was suddenly like, oh, is this what we do to people? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no. This is not enjoyable. This is what I've been, this is not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, or like I'm dragging myself in here after a really hard work week and this person's yelling at me. <laughs> Why are they yelling at me? Or, 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 what, or the expectation that was coming from that person mm. on the front. Because the person up at the front in that context or the person leading that community that was their whole world. That was all they thought about. Yeah, um, yeah. And you lose perspective in that yeah. space of what, not only what churches beyond you are, are like mm. and struggling with and, and, and might be wrestling with, but, but actually what the people in your own community yeah. are dealing with yeah. a, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And thinking that you know all of the answers to what they're dealing with on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis mm. because um, 10% of the church has been trained to say, so good when, yes. you, when you say whatever you say. Yeah. And there's a bit of Dunning-Kruger there as well because like, you know, the less resources you take on, the less kind of like perspectives you, that you're open to, like the, the, the less you know, the less you know you know. Like um, when mm. you engage more broadly and you have more you know, humility about what you know and you do more research and you take on more experiences um, and you engage more broadly with the world around you, you're, it's far harder to say, I mean, like, uh, even in, in our podcast, we do so much time making caveats and explaining ourselves that we don't think we're the experts, partly because of exactly this, of going like we know there are people who have thought more about lots of these things. There's so many things that we will be missing in this conversation. Um, we, mm. you know, bring our gender and our, you know, privilege and all kinds of stuff to it. It's, yeah. it's hard to say things with great authority and confidence when you know there's so many valid perspectives out there. Um, this world shrinks all of that down to the world is very simple and people have told me about that my answers are great so I'm going to keep on spouting off about all kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you end up coming to coming to believe that you have the answers to sort of, mm. to so many of the problems that people face or the challenges that people are dealing with. And yeah. I think you also tied in with this is that you think you own the church. Mm. That this is your community, mm. and that you have the you know you built it, um, you know let's ignore all those volunteer hours. You built it. This is on the back of your genius, and therefore it's yours to hold on to and 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 parent how 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 you like. Um, that these people are your people. That rather than they're p- people that have been given to you to provide care for and for them to care for you. Um, they are resources that you get to spend and um, it, it's, it's your church and your way or the highway because ultimately this church is an expression of you, your personality and your genius, not of the parts of the body that are present within that congregation. Yeah, so I guess one of the things perhaps we're wanting to thread through this conversation is is that rather than building a personal empire that mm. belongs to you. Mm. A pastor is someone... That couldn't exist without you. That couldn't exist without you. Until your son you. takes it over. <laughs> uh, is, um, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. Uh, is, is instead, what is it to... Yeah, to, and so that 
challenging that model changes so much of how you even see the, the people who are in front of you. Are the people in front of you a resource to use mm-hmm. to keep building this this empire, mm. to keep growing it, to keep um, establishing it? Um, or are the people in front of you or alongside you mm. um, actually there for you to help care for and hear from and hold space for and um, and walk alongside mm. in solidarity with mm. and you know so um like what's more important the health of your vision or the health of the body like, yeah the health of the actual people <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah yeah yes. and that alongside word we'll get to it I'm sure mm. when we get into the second part of this but um it's, it's just so central of how you see yourself um, whether you see yourself as you know being a, you know being the center point to which all resources directed or whether you are a comrade and you know sibling of this community that you have a very specific fu- function and role that you've been um, asked to do um, but ultimately it's about what is good for the common good of this body and the world around it yes and the common good of this body as in again the people <laughs> and their lives and their lives yeah. in that body rather than body as institution slash organization slash yep. Um, stats mm. um, slash mm. influence. Well, you know? yeah, yeah, right. Like, so, I, I, like, because when we even even say the body, people think and the church. Think this is, well, they think the church organization yes. rather than the church people. People yes. and all of the like the extent of their lives beyond the organization, like, like that is all the church. I think I talked in one of the other podcasts about how we try and think about our our community is, mm. um, you know, that we think more about what is it that their lives are contributing to the world than what is it that things with our logo on is yeah. contributing yeah, to yeah, the yeah, world. Yeah. So, you know, we have an enormous number of people in the care sector within our community, nurses and social workers and all of these kinds of people. And because of that, um, <laughs> they're often very tired, very emotionally exhausted. They carry a lot. Um, and so in terms of doing lots of extra things, um, there's not a heap of space there. Part of our role as a community and the vocation that we have and the gift that we have to give is just providing a nourishing well for people who are, you know, really extending themselves in giving giving care to people who, who need care. And none of that has our church logo on it and we don't get anything back from it other than we think that's what the kingdom of God mm. is doing, or part of what the king- kingdom of God is doing out there. Yeah, and again, that can be like a really well-meaning criticism of church sometimes can be you need to be more involved in mission or mm. you need to be more involved as a church reaching out into your community. Yes. And be like, well... So stop looking after your neighbour and come and do this program yeah, and go to someone yeah. else's neighbour yeah, yeah, and do yeah, their yeah. house up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a large number of teachers in our, in our community uh, and the idea that they would be doing something genuinely meaningful in their teaching role with kids. <laughs> yes. You know, is it, like, they can stop doing that for a bit and then, yeah. Yeah. Come and commit to our <laughs> yep. our thing. So actually, yeah, and again, that's context dependent and it depends a lot on, on who your community is. But but there's not kind of, again, one answer or one model to say mm. that your your church doesn't care about its community unless your church has yep. a number of programs that are caring about the community, community that are yeah. that belong to your church, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess another fruit of this whole thing is, um, yeah, just just super stressed pastors who can't be seen for who they really are, and mm. that the, I mean, one of the, my concerns with this model is, um, yeah, how much ministers have to hide um, of themselves, and how difficult it is to to be vulnerable and transparent within this model. 
Um, but then how limited care they receive as people often because of that, because mm. they are the superhero figure um, who needs nothing from anyone um, until they kind of like, you know, snidely, bitterly remark how overworked they are and if only some people would volunteer a bit more. Um, but that, that, but their actual needs in terms of being cared for by their congregation um, because of their circumstances and their their situation. Again, you know, we're giving a, I'm giving a lot of, you know, kind of examples from, from our community today, not because I think it's like the model that everyone should follow or anything, but because I have experience in it, I guess. But like during COVID, we have a, um, a reasonably difficult family situation with some complexities with one of our children and that makes parenting quite hard sometimes. Um, and during COVID, uh, we were in, I live in Melbourne, so we we're in, you know, extended lockdowns to try and care for the wider community. Uh, but that just meant that we were stuck inside a lot and I do not have the kind of family that uh, we can <laughs> we can work from home while they are around <laughs> um, because they will be murdering one another. Um, and I went and talked to our community about that as represented by our boards and our and our co-creators who are kind of our kind of people who commit to helping shape the, the thing and said like I'm going to have really limited space like do I need to take a whole bunch of time off and our board just straight away said just do what you can we'll see you on the other side and actually being cared for because of my very specific situation where a community went we're not going to try and kill you by getting you to try and maintain everything at the same level that you've been producing in different circumstances because we care about you as a person is just such a beautiful gift. And and that that it's an environment where you were able to say that in the first place. To say uh, I'm not capable of yeah, carrying on. Yeah. 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 Say I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. Rather than I'm the exemplar yeah. of how to Live through COVID yes. triumphantly <laughs> and know, get the one, and, the, the man who has it all. <laughs> yeah, um, because then that what that does, that narrative does, mm. is, is make it impossible for you to then to say, mm. "I'm struggling with yep. this particular yep. thing," yep. or oh, "I'm not going to be able to do that," yep. or, and and that struggle can come up in a number of different ways. Um, and there's a concrete price to pay for some of that, like mm. our community will be, like in terms of kind of what's provided in some ways, will be a bit shitter for a while. Mm. And that's and that's okay. Like, is that ability to be able to go backwards when you need to? Like, yes, which we talked about last time. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> okay, should we talk about the congregation side? Yes, just touch briefly on that. Yes, please do. Um, well, j- just I, I think one of the things that produces is a, is a kind of paternalism within congregations and an infantilization of your people, where we don't really expect you to think. Um, because we will have the answers for you. We don't expect you to really wrestle or question. We might name some wrestles um, that people have. Oh, so-and-so said to me, but, you know, uh, and the answer to that is this. What they didn't realise was... <laughs> the truth, yeah, yeah which, which I have. Um, and so we often end up with communities that have spent 30 years in church. And, you know, we, we see this a lot because we, you know, spend a lot of time in the kind of deconstruction space for people who have, whose faiths have fallen apart and suddenly they're going, oh, why did I start thinking? This is terrible. I shouldn't have asked questions because everything was terrible before, but at least I wasn't confused. <laughs> <laughs> I could suppress my rage and um, doubt. Uh, but people going like, I've spent all of this time being told what to do and now I realise I have no idea how to really think about anything mm. and I'm being overwhelmed by the flood of questions that I've suppressed over the last 30 years. Um, and, and a lot, you know, people think that deconstruction is a young person game. 
Oh, definitely we, not. Definitely you know, our not. experience of that is that just so, 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 so many of the people we end up, you know, spending time with and, and speaking to and that are people in their, who, are, who are much, much older. Who are in faced, their 50s and 60s. Um, yeah. I talk to a lot of people yep. deconstructing in that phase of life. And anger is a really common theme. Uh, yeah. Often because they say, we could have been thinking about this or learning how to think all along, but instead mm. we've been given answers and we expected answers, um, taking responsibility for ourselves as well of what we are, demand about. Yeah, well, and one of, the, one of the challenges of, of this is that, and this is wider structural challenge here, mm. which is that the structure of our culture is such that a lot of people are exhausted, yeah. busy, yeah. tired. Yeah. So just coming somewhere where someone can tell me what to think and what to believe is quite attractive. Especially if you've got like anxiety that comes with all the overwhelm and busyness yeah. and stuff like that. Some security to say it's all going to be okay. God's got it under control. God is good Here's what you time. need to do. Here's what you need. You do these things and yeah. God will do God's things and yeah. everything will get better. Yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't get better, just hold on because it will. Yeah. It's about to. <laughs> yeah. Don't quit before you break through. So, you know, there's, a, there's something very attractive to that even. And so there's a wider kind of cultural problem, which means that these are not easy yeah. um, things to work through. Yeah. Uh, and again, that there's cost yeah. in terms of growth usually yeah. Yeah. To, um, to taking a different approach. But yeah, that, that kind of – and you see this a lot – even, you know, the idea of, of pastors, especially those who have been in the game for a long time, coming to see themselves as parental figures, yeah, yeah. as your spiritual father mm. or mm. Um, whatever the language that might be used. Um, and then the, that implies the congregation as children. Yeah. And... Who can't really take responsibility for themselves. And so often they don't. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a double feedback yeah. system yeah. Where, where you're sort of, you see yourself that way, mm. they see you that way, you're talked to like you're a, like you're a child yeah. um, or an idiot yeah. uh, who doesn't really get it. Um, and, and you see yourself that way and you kind of expect someone to, to yeah. tell you how it is. And so, yeah, you can be a 40, 50, 60, 70 year old, incredibly smart person. Yeah, but you don't even apply your rationality to this context. And I mean, we, yeah, I mean we, yeah. we used to sit there amazed at conferences and it's like, oh, that person over there is a surgeon and that person over there is this and that person's a brilliant engineer and they're listening to the most ridiculous things being said that don't even have like a logical coherence um, going, well, I just left my brain at the door. This is spiritual stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but even within that infantilization is that you miss out on being a community that learns how to disagree well. That learns how to actually be mm. a community. I think our obsession with personal transformation in terms of like if you apply these things and your life will get better, here are these principles to live by, Jesus came to give you some tools for better living and things like that. Um, the epistles are all about community formation. They're essentially, a, you know, so much of the instructions about here's how not to be a jerk. Here's how to structure services in a way where one person isn't domineering, dominating everybody else and talking the whole time. Here's how to, um, you know, you are coming with that attitude um, and that's harming the body. Think about what this is doing to the rest of the congregation. And so there's all these kind of like practice grounds of how to disagree well and how to argue with each other Kindly, how to hear other people's perspectives, how to do all of that stuff which adults should be able to learn how to do. Um, and after a lifetime of that, sometimes when people do get to disagree, they're dickheads because they haven't, they've never learned that formational experience of what it is to live as adult siblings. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, rather than little 
little children who are just getting told the answers the whole time. Mm. Um, and anybody who disagrees is sort of sidelined and, and kicked out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. for disagreeing, yeah. which yeah. doesn't foster a, an ability to hold difference very well. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. So look, there's this kind of a way of seeing the role of a pastor as this as this final authority, this supreme kind of influencer, um, leader figure, you know, um, <clears throat> the one who's ult- the ultimate kind of decision maker, expert, um, and and some of the the implications it, yeah. we see flowing out. And even if that. it's not in an overbearing way, even if it's just that essentially mm. your job is to run the church. So well, everything and, and, rises and falls on your ability yeah. to run the church and to and to rally the resources and to do the things and to shape what's going to happen. And if people keep coming, you're doing a good job. And if they leave because they don't like it, then that's your fault too. Mm. Again, infantilizing a community. Yeah, yeah, because because some of because some of that infantilizing, to use your word, uh, you know, it, it takes place again in lots and lots of different ways. But it does it does train a community to to demand unreasonable things from their pastors. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hey, we haven't got enough of that. When are you going to do some more of that? Or, mm. hey, we need to start one of those things. You should be you should be mm. starting that. And mm. why aren't you visiting more people? And why aren't you, you yeah. know, this, that, and the other? Yeah. Um, and well, I don't know if I'm going to come to this church anymore. I only bumped into three greeters on my way in, <laughs> you know. Um, I wasn't welcomed um, in the car park, you know, yeah. or, or whatever, um, whatever it is. All, yeah. all of that stuff is is adding to that. Like, in in what other part of your life Mm. Do you expect to be greeted from the moment you get out of your car and sort of <laughs> led through, uh, you know, a, a space into a facility and, like, you know, that um, that kind of ex- that unrealistic or unfair expectation again that, that feeds both ways. That's that's shaped by the community, yeah, um, by by those in charge and mm. shaped by those who participate mm. in it because it's mm. come to come to be expected. Um, there's just there's just so f- few spaces in our lives where we wouldn't be expected to be able to, I yep. don't know, find our own seat or, yep. you know, yep. you know, yeah. anyway. Um, okay. So, so, so let's talk then about some other possibilities for thinking about um, the role of a, or, or the, the function of a pastor. Um, and perhaps we can start by thinking about what both you and I are involved in, in our different contexts. Um, again, not to say that this is the answer, but it's, you know, it's an example of, trying to work out a different mm. model and see what happens when we do that. Mm. And so we're both in uh, collaborative leadership models in our communities where we lead the we co-lead the community alongside others who aren't our spouses. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not Pastor Shane and his beautiful and adoring wife. <laughs> so adoring. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but, you know, so, so, we, so we, we co-lead out respective communities, yeah? So do you want to talk a little bit about, about that? Uh, yeah, so we have a um, – I mean, our, our community actually a, a period of time ago went through a discernment process to work out what style of leadership best fit the community that was there. And so went through a long discernment process with um, our denomination or with a representative of our denomina- denomination to help facilitate it about what kind of structure fitted 
the kind of um, community that we had and the kind of theology that we ascribed to um, and came out with a desire for a flat collaborative structure. So basically um, a multiplicity of voices and representatives on, you know, taking the role of what would normally be the the senior pastor. Um, so we have three of us um, and we co-lead together um, and... I guess we'll talk a little bit more about what leadership looks like or pastoral, we, we call it pastoral leadership, um, what it looks like in our context as we as we go on. But essentially, there's three of us who uh, together are responsible for particular roles within the community. Um, and some of that will be curating services and some of that will be pastoral care and some of that will be administration and various things. But um, none of us are in charge. Um, and we are really fortunate, I think, in that we've got people who... Um, you can have flat collaborative structures but still have domination by personality um, and we're just really lucky that um, we have a group of people, myself and Rod and Tamsin, who are just a joy to work with, um, who share that load and share that responsibility and are expected to bring our own voices and our own perspectives um, but also to bring the voices and perspectives of the people in the community that we are connected to because we're all particular people and have different sets of relationships within the community. So we bring our crew, I guess, along with us when we it comes to shaping things and decision-making and stuff like that. Um, and then we kind, of, we kind of have a couple of mechanisms there for um, what happens if there's disagreement within the team that we can't overcome or if one of us feels like someone's dominating that and so we have a, a board that's expected to be really involved in the conversations that we have and we also have a group of co-creators who are kind of I guess like members in church um, but there are lots of times where we face an impasse um, as a community or have questions as a, a um, pastoral leadership team about which direction we want to go in um, and we go, we don't actually feel like we're the right people to make a call on this stuff. And so we go back to either go back to our board or in other situations we go back to our co-creators and say, this is what we're feeling, but we don't know what the right direction is. You know, what do you all think? Um, we need some input on this because um, it's our community together. And so that would be completely impractical if it was like when it came every time we needed to choose which flavored tea we bought um <laughs> we we did that um you know there's some things which were just kind of required to sort our shit out <laughs> um there are things that are just too big and too heavy for for that um that we want the wisdom of the community in as well so that's kind of what our collaborative structure looks like and i tell you the relief of not having to talk every sunday the relief of not being solely responsible for how everything's going for not having to, even having to receive all of the feedback yourself because that can be painful too about how a community is going to share that load and share that stuff and have seasons where some of us are in particular life phases with young children where it's we're in a really difficult bit and the others can carry a bit more load for that time um, and then vice versa yeah it's a pretty pretty wonderful gift yeah it's cool so so I'm in a in a I guess in a, even though our church contexts are quite different. And the makeup of our churches is quite different in the history of them. Um, I we are now in a collaborative team of three as well, um, where we co-lead the church community together. Much again, like the Trinity. Yes. Mm. Um, none of us are in charge. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, which one each, begot who? Uh, each of us has different roles, similar to yours, uh, and and it's yeah that that sense of relief that you talk about. I I resonate with that so much. Like I. 
having worked in this kind of model now, personally, I would never want to be the senior pastor of a church nope. ever in my life. Me neither. Because um, the idea that all of the weight of this would ultimately come back to me as one person, um, I just, yep, I don't need that anxiety in my life. Mm. doesn't matter how kind of emotionally healthy or, or tremendous my community is or whatever, yep. I just wouldn't ever want that. Yep. Now, that's not to say that no one else should do it that way. Mm. It's just that I know for me it's mm. been a tremendous um, relief and makes it possible for me to Mm. to be involved at this level of a, of a community. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it would be possible for me to, to do it in the traditional sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got that collaborative model, that, that, that sense of the three of us. We are immersed within a, a slightly larger team, which we call katiaki, which is a Maori word for like guardian or, or, or steward in some kind of way, So we, which is, I guess, a, a form of kind of eldership, mm. so to speak. Um, and then a, and we have a trust board as well over us, and then again we have... We have a wider group similar to your co-creators, which we call Ngapo, um, kind of named from the Po, the um, the poles that hold up the the fare, um, which is the, the like the Maori meeting house. So, um, so yeah, we, similar to you, we have those those different kind of layers of participation and collaboration, and we are empowered as that smaller team of three to make calls and decisions on behalf of the community. But we hopefully do so in ways that are open. And, and and depending on what it is that we're doing, we we collaborate with those wider groups, uh, and even with the with the the wider community itself. Um, so yeah, that that sense of of it does a few things. That kind of collaborative mm, model mm. It, it relieves that sort of anxiety and pressure of it all coming crashing down on one person's shoulders, mm. which I've just seen over many years be just so bad for so many people. Mm. Um, it also yeah means there's not one dominant voice in in the community space mm. when we meet together, when mm. we whether it's in our kind of what we'd call maybe our more of our leadership type style meetings, or whether it's when we pull different teams together or we want to talk about stuff as a community. There's no, there's not just always one person fronting fronting mm. that. There's mm. there's a multitude of voices there, um, and that's I think it feels really healthy mm. to me. That now it must be said that in both of our situations, these models do not guarantee success and <laughs> explosive growth. Uh, and so if you're out there going, yes, tell me the model that's finally going to be the, the answer yeah. to unlocking the secret <laughs> mysteries of church growth and health or something like that. Yeah. These, are, these are not it. No. These are, but these are working models that we're working with at the mm. moment that mm. for all sorts of reasons we're finding to be a, a helpful and healthy mm. way to go about things. Mm. Um, and for all their flaws, they're also producing what we would, Say are healthy communities in yeah. terms of the lives of the people within them, and that by by no means perfect, by no means the church for everyone no. in each of their cases. They're very distinct and unique mm. things with distinct giftings and roles to play. They're not some kind of universal answer, but they're also it's also you know in both cases working models that have gone for some time, um, being able to produce healthy things. And again, not everyone can work within this model. Like if you had. Mm. Too much ego, <laughs> like, you know, you can have a flat structure and have domination by Absolutely. personality yeah, or yeah, totally. people who cannot manage conflict for yep. themselves and don't know how to work within team or mm. negotiate or or people who don't know how to voice what they need, what they want and need. We have to do a lot of drawing of that out of each other and caring for each other in that way and listening to each other as well. But what it does... For communities and, who demand to know who's in charge. Oh, yes, you know? yeah, yeah. But what it does is it kind of like cracks things open for the rest of the community as well in terms of their expectation of um, being able to see difference modelled and negotiated. Um, 
being able to see that um, it's not just one person theologizing their personality. And so that kind of flows into, and again, in both of our contexts in different ways, it flows into the way we manifest as a community. And so, again, let's just talk for the moment for services because it's the kind of stuff that, you know, most people have got some reference point for. But in our community, we're a dialoguing community. And so in nearly every service, it'll be there'll be some expectation of the community in various ways having spaces of input. And so whether it be, you know, when we approach scripture, rather than starting with um, telling you the one moral lesson that God is definitely trying to say through this thing, we read a passage together and pretty much whenever we do, we go through a process of I notice, I wonder, where people get to um, sit with it in its context. And then various people get a voice to say, wow, I noticed that today about that or I wonder what that's getting out or this makes me feel extremely uncomfortable for this reason um I don't like it um or you know what do you think this bit is doing in relation to that bit over there and so you get um a a, a range of perspectives on something to to open up the text um and approach it creatively and with love. And you you will hear things that you'd never thought about before. Like it's a, like live, live working where you, it never would have occurred to me these things that other people will have spotted about it um, or questions that would have come up that I might have bulldozed over saying, this is what I think about it in a way that would really violate someone else because I haven't had a chance to hear mm. their perspective, which may actually curb my capacity to, you know, create great harm by my, you know, um, particular take on something, and so yeah, so that that the however it happens, the creating space for um, dialogue, you know, for for conversation to go in multiple directions is, yeah. is super important. And our in our church gatherings, we have less history of that kind of live dialogue than than you do. But there are other spaces in our community where that kind of back and forth happens, and you know, we continue kind of playing around with that. But I think whatever, however you're doing it, it's very important to. <laughs> To get a sense for even like how what you're saying is landing with people and how it's mm. making them feel or mm. what it's making them think about, uh, and then also not just that, but what do they have to bring to the table on this yeah. on this stuff? And so, however you're kind of including that, it's super important because again, it's breaking apart that that sense that I am the expert bringing you the answer. Yeah. And <clears throat> and if the only people who ever come and talk to you, like let's say let's say you're in a model where you where you are the preacher predominantly. And you, the only people who often, unless they are particularly, you know, um, robust and and um, interjectory type of person who wants to come up and pick mm. apart what you said, which mm. is not most people. No. Um, most of the people who come and talk to you are the people who got something out of it really helpful or meaningful who come up to you and say, thank you so much, that was so great, it really meant to me X, Y, Z. Um, or... Or the kinds of people who start to gather around you even and, and try and seek out more connection with you mm. are the kinds of people who really love what you have to say. Mm. And you start to get a really um, distorted view of yep. how the whole community Yeah, or everyone feeling. here thinks that... Everyone yeah. here thinks that, that this what I'm is saying amazing is great. <laughs> and this has impacted them in these ways. Not realising that there might be someone over there for whom that mm. was very difficult the way in which I spoke about that or, mm. or whatever. So yeah, continuing to cultivate that. One of the super simple things that I started doing just in my communication was just to start talking about we instead of you. Mm. And the more I started doing that, the more shocking it became to me when I hear other people doing the you thing all the time. Mm. Um, you give an example of that? So, so um, let's, say I, let, let's say we want to talk about 
say a, a, maybe it's a, a text of scripture or a, or a particular idea, but let's let's say it's a text of scripture. You might read it and then make some observations about that, and then say what this invites us to reflect on, or mm. what what this challenges us with, mm. or as we think about how to work this out in our lives, these are the kinds of things we might want to think about. Just how different that is, or how um, yeah, how different it is as an approach to you need to know mm. that. What you need to do in this situation is you need to do this and this and this. Yeah. What this scripture is telling you mm. is that you must mm. believe these things. You know. Mm. So, so just the like it's opening up versus closing down. Yeah. Mm. And it was a, it was kind of a an accidental stumbling upon a change of language for me. I suppose it came out of it came out of some reflections, but it wasn't like I decided one day I'm going to change all of my language. I think it just happened as I changed my thinking about yeah, what, it's my hard, role, it's what my role is. <laughs> it's it's harder to to. If you change your how you think about your community, it's harder to speak in those ways. Yes, if you yeah, yeah. if you respect them, <laughs> that's right. And then I then I you know when I'm flicking whether it's through social media or I don't know wherever it is that I bump into clips mm. of people preaching mm. uh, from more sort of dominating authoritative you know styles, and I'm just like I'm so sort of offended for everybody in the room, <laughs> but that's because I've got a spirit of offence. I guess that's true. But but that someone will be up on stage talking about you like you're yeah. that much of an idiot, or yeah. like that they know that much, yeah. and that they've got all this locked in and locked down. So yeah, just super simple like shift of perspective. But it is it, it speaks to a much bigger way in which you're seeing your role within this group of people, which yeah. is one who might have some specific expertise, perhaps. So so in our kind of collaborative mm. team, I'm mm. the one with more of the kind of formal theological yeah. perspective stuff. Like we don't expect every accountant in the church to also be experts in Greco-Roman history because no, they, right. ha- they haven't yeah. had the space and time to study that stuff. Yes. So you might be able to yeah, bring the gift that you have mm-hmm. in a particular way and you're kind of employed to be able to do yes. have space to do that yes. stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have the answer in everything. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you're the expert at actually working it out in your life. Yeah. So even if you are the best qualified person technically speaking, to be able to say this is what's going on in the context of this mm. passage mm. and what the author was originally And so now I'm going to tell you as a Maori woman. <laughs> um. Right. So, <laughs> so the, the assumption is that because I know what the text is saying in its context, mm. I am then also the best person at outworking it in my life and I'm going to tell you how to do that. Yeah. Whereas actually it's like, okay, my expertise I can bring to the table, which is here's what I think this text is saying. Mm. Now, what does that mean for all of us? Mm. Like, how how do or we... even here's the context of this text. What do we think it's saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Um, and how how do we work this out? How do we? What are the challenges that come up for us? Mm. What are the different experiences? How, and my my how fav- do we do this? Together? My favorite thing that happens is when we learn off each other. Like, I'll watch mm. within our community as I learn from people. I'll hear some. You know, sometimes people say something and say, "Oh, you know, like you know, I've always been taught that this means this, and that's you know, that's how it's worked out in my life." And someone goes, "Oh, yeah, I try to apply that that way." And it was a disaster. This is this is how it impacts me. Or do you think that's actually more about this other thing that's happening rather than because it's a biblical truth? And and watching people be challenged and carry on the conversation, and even just create an expectation that discussion and the kind of le- leaning towards wisdom and learning wisdom is part of the process. So we don't think that every like the most important thing isn't what happens on a sunday morning we meet on a sunday morning the most important thing isn't what happens on a sunday morning but what happens on a sunday morning in some ways sets a template for the kinds of relationships we expect people to have so most of the best discussion around following jesus in our lives that happens within our community is stuff that happens 
in conversations outside of our context, but because we've empowered people to keep on thinking, keep on wrestling, keep on talking about stuff. And not everyone can think on their feet in a mm. meeting. Lots of people need space and time, but people will email us back things or say, oh, I was having this conversation with someone else the other day. And you'll hear things loop back to you that you're like, wow, like it is amazing opening up the treasures, <laughs> treasure trove of wisdom within our community here. Again, if it was just down to me and my terrible voice, like we would have missed all of that. And just how meaningful it can be for people in communities to hear the difference among them. Yeah. And if, if you're all you get is one person talking to everybody, you never get to see that. And no. so, so one of the side effects of that even is someone who is a bit disgruntled or a bit unhappy with what's mm. going on, and I have to sit here and listen to Shane preach every week and boo, boo um, is they're like, because what Shane needs to be getting back to is, you know, um, yeah. is his, is, you know, back more to of the spiritual, more, more of the spiritual, or more <laughs> yeah. theology or more um, altar calls or more, more prayer time or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Um, and and assuming that that's probably what everybody else is thinking too. Mm. And the three people I talk all from there yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then universalizing that across the community. So one of the things we did um, a few years ago a number of times in a, we, re- we, we held a space for, for, for wrestling with a bunch of theological stuff and a bunch of people would come along and it was really fun. Um, but we'd do the human scattergram thing, uh, which yes. is like, okay, how do, you, how do you kind of feel about this? You know, let's say take a particular belief. If, you, if you're sort of down this end, you know, from one to 10, go and actually position yourself in the room. Imagine there's kind of a, a scale along here. How do you feel about violence in the Bible? Or mm. how do you feel mm. about um, the Bible itself? Or yeah. whatever it is. What does the and, word prayer do to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all these different kinds of questions. And, and we, we use, sometimes we use quadrants. Sometimes we used a big kind of scale. And, and every time, I was as surprised as everybody else at how sp- Spread, spread out, out everybody mm. was mm. because there's this assumption that we're all pretty much the same mm. and actually what we found was people were all over the place and then we gave those people a chance okay why are, why? Why are you yeah. in that spot yeah. on, the, on the thing yeah. and then people down the other end going oh I n- never realised that yeah. you know we even did that like with miracles and so the people down the end of like what we all need to do is just believe for more miracles. We're yeah. like, why are there people down the other end who yeah. don't even believe in miracles? Yeah. You know, and well, um, we have that. We're a really cynical community, so we have the reverse of that. So sometimes we have, you know, like, how do you feel about this thing here or that thing there? And when people are like, like, oh, there are people who actually still have really lovely relationships with this thing, and it's actually really inspiring as a kind of like, oh yeah, sure, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it works, it works, it works both in both ways. directions. It's really sure. lovely. Yeah. So it's like some people are like, everybody here is sick of. Yeah. No one, no one here wants us to do like. Times where we pray for each other and, and yep. do all of that stuff anymore. We've yep. all moved past that. Yep. And then, oh, hang on. All of those people are still quite like that. Yep. Um, so just actually, yeah, having spaces where we're able to hear from each other and whatever. Mm. And there are lots of different ways you can do that. Yeah. And all sorts of different models for doing that and structures for doing that. Yeah. But spaces where people can hear from one another mm. um, without there being... Um, a predetermined correct answer yeah, yeah. to whatever question. <laughs> the old Bible asked. study. What do you yeah. all think about this? Um, this maybe. Mm, this. Mm, this. Mm, this. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That. That is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Fishing, and you. Well, you want to be the one who gives who gives the, the answer that one. the leader is yeah. looking for. Yes. Yeah. And and so much of kind of sort of faux dialogue that happens within church sometimes mm, mm. is this sort of pretense of dialogue. Because we like the idea of it, but we don't want the uncertainty of it or yeah. to give over authority. Mm. And so there's sort of a, a, a pretense of dialogue taking mm. place, but everybody knows ultimately 
what the what everybody mm. should have thought, yeah. and by the end, you know what you're supposed to think, yeah. and what the right answer is, and, yeah. and that's actually that robs the richness of yeah. of meaningful dialogue. And it robs robs wisdom applied because you know if ultimately this stuff is supposed to get down into the level of living it out in our lives, yet people are unable to do that for various reasons because they completely disagree with it, or you know, like like collective wisdom is about wrestling together about how to apply love in real life like in real in real situations um and what wisdom what what the right path or what a good or a healthy like you know rather than using such binary languages the right um but you know like what what does wisdom applied look like if, it, if we can get it to the point where people are actually teasing that out and, and speculating about like if i apply this in my own life what is that going to look like what are the problems going to be with that and what are the benefits going to be and what richness can i glean off the rest of you then we're actually teaching people to do theology and to do to act out faithfulness in very real contexts rather than um try and shoehorn the, a magic principle <laughs> principle universally as if all of our lives and neighborhoods and contexts are the same mm. so perhaps as a way of kind of bringing this to a to a finish because um, we do have to go and get lunch with some people which is why <laughs> this is a short one not because we're being disciplined <laughs> we're very hungry um <laughs> is is to think about, you know, I guess the, the role of the pastor in relation to the church. What kind of, what we're even about, what we're mm. trying to do. And we've, we've mm. I think, talked about this along the way. But that ultimately, I think the way you and I understand this is that, that pastors are about um, cultivating, holding space for, yeah. to, be, to be those who can help yeah. um, us all yeah. um, be communities of care where we care for one another, where we... Yeah. Where we can move toward health and flourishing yeah. in, in life. We 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 often talk about kind of being a nourishing well, mm-hmm. and and essentially like as uh, part of what we're paid to do is we're given the time to read and reflect and pray and listen, listen to the stories within our community, shape our stuff around the conversations that we're having and the pain in the community and all these things, and create a container or a well for nourishing spirituality to exist where God can be present in amongst a group of people and that that group of people themselves kind of bring the banquet. Like we might provide the bones of things and might provide a space for it to flourish and exist. And that's kind of our responsibility is to curate space for that stuff, but then watch what happens when we sit with scripture, we sit with the tradition and experiences together. Um, but we have an eye to what, the spirit might be doing in our place in our context and that that would provide some nourishment but the actual work being done is done by all of us rather than just one of us yeah and recognizing that that again there's yeah there's specific roles that you're being asked to play or mm. to to mm. work out and that um different people within your community will have different capacity for engaging in that work together because they're doing other because stuff. of their lives and what's going on for them. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes what we can end up with is these, these kind of idealistic notions of yeah. like yeah, an idealistic kind of abstract version of what a church should be, which is where everybody comes ready to discuss yeah. and ready to, you know, yeah. wrestle yeah. and um and to contribute and to help take an active part in shaping mm. and what actually happens is that everybody comes very tired <laughs> going what teaching uh, terrible children uh, all week. Um yeah. you know, so so we have to hold that in, in intention yeah. as well. The very real lives of the people in our communities mm. and what their needs are in, in yeah. those particular seasons mm. and how still we can sometimes very slowly yeah. 
work out what yep. it is to be a healthy community with one another in spaces, uh, you know, in, in, in spaces where we now live in very, especially in cities, which, mm. which we're both in, you know, mm. large cities for our part of the world anyway, mm. you know, hyperfluid kind of people moving mm. all over the place all the time. And, yep. and so again, um, sometimes what happens, you know, certainly working within, within theological um, spaces as I do, as people go off to theological college and come back with the ideal community where everybody forges deep connections and, <laughs> and relationship and become like family with one another yeah. and, and are immersed in each other's lives and then they... Don't realise that no one lives in the same neighbourhood for long yeah. enough and yeah, people that, move all over the world yeah, yeah, all the time. Right. Yeah. And so part of the very real sort of working out of this and, and why we're so resistant to the idea of a sort of an idealised mm. definition of a pastor or a church is that it has to be worked out with the real lives of the people yeah. in the community. Yeah. Um, and that's why it will look so different. You know, what is the cultural ethnic makeup of that community? Yeah. That, you know, what are the, what are the paradigms that are coming from there? What are the what gifts the, they have to offer? What are the gifts they have to offer? Um, just so much that's, that's going on there in that space. Um, but that ultimately, in all of that, um, the, the, the role of pastoring is to, mm. is to hear and to connect with those real stories and real mm. experiences and then to go, okay, mm. well, how can we, Mm. How can we curate, cultivate whatever it is, provide space and help guide for nourishing spirituality for, a nourishing mm. spirituality for these people to mm. care for, mm. for us as a community to care for one another, whether you're here for Our whole lives. six months mm. or whether yeah. you're going to be here for 10 years. Mm. Um, how can this be a space where you are both cared for and are able to care for others? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and in that sense then, you know, that the, the job of the pastor is not to be the authoritative expert, mm. but instead to be the one who's just helping provide some of the scaffolding, mm. <laughs> if you mm. like, for for that to, to take yeah. place. Yeah. 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 Yep. Oh, good. We've answered that then. Good. Yes. That Tick. is the new model. So <laughs> everybody take that, put that into practice and send us your testimonials <laughs> so that then we can write a book and travel the world talking about how to do it all. Exactly. Yep. Um, thanks, Shane. Thank you. Good times. Nice to chat. There you have it. My conversation with Shane Meyer from a couple of weeks ago, talking all about the question of pastoring and leadership and how we might be able to reimagine some of this to take us in some healthier directions. Thanks, as always, to Reese Michelle for his help uh, every time with making this audio sound good and reasonable in your ears. Until next time. <laughs>